if you really put some thought to this, it's your job to find a profession that you like, believe in, and can work in to close as many deals as possible with the time that you have. When you think through the process of what it takes to find a good company to sell, it does make it easier for you. Every single message you deliver is really a sales call. Either you are selling or being sold. Salespeople love to brag about their skills. And the truth is, your success in closing sales depends on your skills, your abilities, and finding the right training. And the great news is, you have come to the right place here at The How to Sell Show with your hosts, Dale Bell and Scott Sylvanbell. And be sure to join the party at howtosell.live and download your copy of The 10 Common Mistakes Salespeople Make. Aloha from Sacramento, California. Today, I'm coming to you live from my studio, and I figured today would be a good day to talk about how to find a good company to sell for. Whether you've been in sales, whether you're looking at sales, there are some things that you could take a look at that would really help you out and alleviate some issues for you. And one of the things that I find from talking to salespeople when they switch jobs, when they switch companies, there's things that they don't think about. They're just like, yeah, you know what? I want a new sales job, which, you know, hey, that happens. But like sometimes what they'll do is they'll just go, well, you know, I'm going to go get a job. And because it's easy to do an interview and somebody offers a job, they're like, yeah, I'll take it. But they don't really put any thought to it. There's no like, oh, you know, I didn't really consider this. And I didn't really consider that. So what I did for you today is I put six different ideas together, things to look at, things that will really help you out. Uh, The overarching idea is what is a product that you like or love? And that's something that's got demand in the marketplace that you have the capability of selling. So now you only have a certain amount of time in your life to sell and close deals. And if you have the capability of closing deals, why does it, why would it ever make sense to go after skinny deals when you could go after larger deals? And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes as a product ages, it loses the ability for you to get as much commissions as you can to, to make some money. Now, it's not all about the money, and we'll go over that here in a minute, but that is something to think of. And one of the things that I see is salespeople will get caught trying to develop a new category. And in the tech, this is easy to do, uh, but what will happen is you could spend a lot of time chasing prospects trying to explain an idea that they just don't get that could be too new to them. So depending upon where you're at in your selling style and depending upon where you're at in your sales lifestyle, Uh, some of this may apply a little bit differently. So you may have to re-engineer the thought of it. So we're going to start here. Item number one, a good product or service. It is very tough to sell something that you don't believe in. There are people who can fake it. There's not very many of them that are really good at it, but people can see through it. Like if you're having a conversation and you really like the product that you sell, people know it. If you're having a conversation and you're just, eh, the product is, eh, The people that you're talking to, for the most part, they're going to know that too. I know this from talking to buyers and salespeople, both sides of the spectrum. When, when they take a, when, when they get done with the meeting, sometimes if I'm writing copilot, sometimes I'll stay behind and I'll, I'll ask the buyer questions. And sometimes they'll tell me, it just doesn't feel like that sales guy believes in the product. Is it quality? Does it have good quality? Is it, is it going to hold up? Is it going to be there for a while? And the reason that this is important is, you know, 
you don't want a ton of complaints. You don't want to have to deal with issues after delivery, after install, whatever whatever product or service that you have. You don't want a ton of warranty issues. Instead of dealing with sales, you end up chasing problems and and that becomes an issue. And we, sometimes it comes down to something that you like. Is it something you could talk about? I think of all the cool things in, in my life that I like. I love tech stuff. I love laptops, computers. I love clothes. I love shoes. I love ties. I love surfboards. I mean, I'm thinking like all the cool things that I could talk about days. I like food. <laughs> like the things that I could talk about for hours are things that are really easy for people to sell. Is it something that people like? Is it something that people need? Is it something that people use? There's times where I see people selling stuff and I'm like, man, you know, you're you're working your butt off to make that sell. And it just makes it difficult because it's not always something that people like. It's not always something that people use. It's not always something that's interesting. It's just like, I've got a job making sales. And I, I, I think of the people stuck in jobs like this and in no way am I making fun of anybody. So please do not take it that way. But like the people who work at, at kiosks uh, in the mall are typically pushing stuff. It's not stuff that somebody needs. It's not stuff that somebody has to have. It's just stuff. And it's, you know, like trinkets. Like, hey, look, check this thing out. And that's a good place to get started. But like, that's not a, a necessity. And yes, there's plenty of people who make really good money doing that. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying that like, you know, think through what is it going to take to sell the job? Does it have longevity? You could take a look at the company's website. You could take a look at their marketing. You know, you're, you're looking for quality. I mean, if you go, like, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't spell. I don't understand punctuation. And if you had to force me to find the difference between a noun and a verb, I would look at it and be like, I'm just confused. I don't even know. And this is real deal. I've, I've had reading problems my entire life. And so like, I'll look at stuff and people are like, can you point out, like, I look at it and I'm like, like my, my mind just goes like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do it. But I'll tell you what, if I go to a website and it's put together poorly and it just looks like it's all slapped together and there's punctuation errors and I'm spotting them, like that's a bad sign for me. Use this information in your research, uh, just like every other piece that I'm going to tell you about in your interview process. There's going to be a point where people say, well, like, tell me, what do you, what do you want to know about the company? And then you have a massive amount of data that if they don't answer it, you can figure out what's going on. Remember, as a salesperson, you make money being in sales presentations. You don't make money chasing after problems that should have been dealt with. Two, check the reputation. These days, it's really easy to do. There's all sorts of websites that you can go on and take a look at the, the company and how they operate and, and what they do with buyers and what they don't do with buyers. I mean, there's even places as an employee, you can go and you could rate the company and say like, here's what I believe about the managers, or this is what I believe about the owners, or this is the problems that I faced, or these are all the good things that I had. You could also use social media to check up on the person, the company, the place, the idea, the item. You know, if there's a lot of complaints and there's a lot of problems, I mean, this is a red flag for you. You could use, you know, reviews of the product itself. So like if it's uh, something that gets sold on Amazon, this is something you could go back and you could take a look and read the reviews. And if everybody's like, I love this product, except it's got this little tiny issue. And everybody's like, except it's got this little tiny issue. Like that might not be a bad idea, but if you're reading the reviews and everybody's like, I hate this product, it's horrible customer service. Like this could be a red flag for you to go like, probably not a good place for me to work. Remember, you only have a certain amount of time in your life to close deals. You only have a certain amount of time in your life to work on stuff. Chasing after warranty issues and chasing after upset clients is not profitable for you. 
you can ask people who work there. And sometimes people will say, Scott, like, I don't know how to, to do that. I'll say, okay, that's fine. Reverse engineer it. You could go to places like LinkedIn. You could go to places like the Facebook. You could go to things like the Twitter. And you could look up people who work for said company. And you could contact them and say, hey, I'm interested in getting a job at the company that you work for. What, do you, what can you tell me about it? And sometimes people will be like, hey, I don't want to talk to you. I don't know you. I'm not interested. And sometimes people open up and they'll give you the goods. But like sometimes you may catch somebody on a bad day. So if you're only taking the information from one person, someone who's about to get fired, somebody who's about to leave, somebody who's bitter, it may not be the best representation for you. You know, I think of it this way. If I had to go in public wearing a uniform with that company's name and logo all over it, what would the reaction be? And it doesn't matter if it's business to business. It doesn't matter if it's business to consumer. Like if there was a, a building that sold this product and the, the the top buyer was there, if you walked into that building, would people be like, Ugh, or would people be like, yeah, I'm willing to talk to you. Like these are the things that you got to think through about the good reputation. These are the things that like, you know, most people don't, don't really go to. They're just like, tell me about the money. Well, the money is one part and we're going to get to that too. You could also use this information from your research in the job interview. You could say, hey, like I went online and I read about this problem. Have you got it fixed? And sometimes it'll freak people out like, hey, you're really good at research or we never even knew about it. Or, you know, they might get mad, which is going to be a sign. It's going to be like, um, here's a little thing that I've got a problem with that they got mad that I asked them about a problem that they're having with their with their widget or with their gizmo. Like, like that's an issue. That's something that you got to take a look at and go, hey, if they're going to get mad at me for taking a look and asking these questions and I don't work here, like what are they going to be like when I do work here? Three, what do their premises and vehicles look like? You know, there's been office buildings that I've gone to and I've looked around and I've cringed. I'm like, how in the world do people work here? How do people say that they work for this company? How is it that it's okay to even say that this company is even anything good? Now, I'm not saying that, hey, every company has got to be built like some elaborate hotel or some building. That's not what I'm getting at. But sometimes you go into buildings and you're like, what is going on? Like, who put this place together? It's chaos. And you'll find that a lot of times buildings that are built like chaos and, and have like all sorts of weird stuff happen on the inside of the building are chaos when you work with them. Like that could be chaos with dealing with clients. That could be chaos with dealing with management. That could be chaos with getting paid. Like you don't need that in your life. What's the feel when you go to the office? Does it feel like, hey, there's good energy? Or does it feel like, oh my goodness, I don't want to be here? Because if you're walking in for an interview and you don't feel like you want to be there and you're like, whoop, it's probably a, a, a sign. It's not the only sign. It's probably a sign that it may not be the best place. Four, what's the management team like? How do they act? You know, sometimes you meet managers, you meet business owners, you meet, you, you meet executives, and you're like, oh, I don't really like this person. I don't really like this guy or this girl. And it could be that you're too similar, or it could be that there's just something weird about the person that sets you off. I remember, I want to say 11 years ago, 10 years ago, I had a job interview lined up and I met the guy who owned the company. And I was like, eh, I'm not impressed. I really don't care for this person and I can't see myself working for this person. And they were offering me a considerable sum of money at the time in my life. And I had to turn it down. Like, no, don't like the ownership. Don't like the, the people. If the company does have a management team, what is the management team like? Could you work for them? And this, this can confuse people sometimes because, you know, there's a difference between a good manager who's going to push you and, and be and see strengths in you. And, it, you know, they might make you uncomfortable. And then there's bad managers that are just idiots and horrible people. So like, you really got to think through, is it, 
I don't like the manager because I know that they're going to push me and they're not going to put up with the the items that I have because they can see through when they've done sales? Or is it genuine that I don't think I'm going to like this guy or I'm going to like this girl because they just don't seem like a good person? Those are two separate things. One of the things that I don't really see a lot of salespeople ask about that they should that could help them out is, does your management team or ownership team like salespeople? If you go to work for a place where the, the salespeople are hated or the salespeople are disliked from the management team, it's going to poison the whole company against you. It's not a good place to be. Five, what's the pay structure like? How does it compare to the industry? What's your ability to make money? What's your ability to make bonuses? What's your ability to do well? Are there opportunities to grow and make more money? You know, sometimes it's not always about like, pay me the money. You could have intangibles. It could come with a car. It could come with vacation. It could come with time off. It could come with, you know, flexible days. Your version of what good pay and good structure is going to be different than my pay. So I can't say like, you got to look for all these things and this is the, the silver bullet. And these are all the things that you need to know. Like you should really sit down and say, what is it that you want? If you've been in sales for a while and you can close deals, maybe you don't want to work weekends. Everybody's a little bit different. You know, when it comes down to it, I don't like to work weekends. That, you know, if I was working for an organization and they're like, hey, Scott, we need you to work weekends. I mean, it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me, but it'd be one of those things where I'm like, meh, not my favorite thing to do. You know, uh, for me, someone may call and say, hey, we need you to present and we're doing an event and it's going to be over a weekend. I can't say no. I'm like, you want me to present? I'm putting on the suit. I'm putting on the tie, putting on the cufflinks, putting on the shoes, getting the watch going. I'll give a presentation. It's just not my favorite thing to do. doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. Like there's pros and cons and then there's like, eh, there's things that I really don't like, but I'll deal with them. And you can't get too caught up in the, eh, I really don't deal with them very well. Sometimes you can create problems by being over demanding. Sometimes you can create yourself to be a prima donna and that's not a good thing either. I mean, you know, companies could have a problem and you can have a problem too. I'm not saying that salespeople are immune to not having problems. Are there awards? And that may not seem like, hey, really? Awards? Yeah. Like some of the best days of my life are the days that I got to stand in front of a sales team and talk trash and hold up a trophy or hold up an award and like, look at this. You told me I couldn't do it and I smoked every single one of you. Or look at this. You guys thought you were good and you were talking your trash and I beat you. It's that dopamine rush. And sometimes awards are like, here, here's a trip. Sometimes awards are like, hey, here's a watch. You know, every company's got their own different version of awards. I mean, like, do you, is that something that's interesting to you? Once again, this is, this can't be just my checklist. These aren't things that you're like, Hey, what does Scott Sylvan Bell say? These are things that like, what would you put on your checklist? And, you know, see what else you can get if you're a closer. Uh, you know, my thing is anytime someone says, Hey, I want, I want you to come work for me. I'm always interested in what the offer is. I always like to listen to how offers are structured. And I come from an industry where it's pretty typical to get paid 10% on a sale. You sell $10,000, you make a thousand bucks. So I'm going to give you an example. Let's just say that you're in sales and you close deals and you're pretty darn good at what you do. I'm going to play the part of you for a minute. So I go, I do an interview. I talk to the ownership group and they're like, Hey Scott, here's the thing. Uh, we want you to come work here and we take, and we pay 10% commission. And I would, I would go down the path of saying, hey, look, 10% commission on what? And they're going to say, on the job, silly, on the sell that you make. And I'm going to say, okay, well, what's your average closing rate for uh, a sale? What's your average closing rate for a person who's going to come close deals for you? And let's just say they say, our average closer closes at 35%. Okay, well, 
you know, this is time for you to flex a little bit and go, well, you know, uh, for me, my average closing rate is closer to 70. So I'm twice as good as your average salesperson. And when we talk about the cost of acquisition for a lead and the cost of marketing, you've got a sunk cost. It's costing you the same amount to get that lead, but I'm more valuable because I close more of them. So why wouldn't you do this? At 40%, I make 11% commission. At 50%, I make 12% commission. At 60%, I make 13% commission. At 70%, I make 14% commission. Sometimes companies don't really think about how this works until you explain it to them. And like you may get pushback. You may have them say, well, I'm not interested. Well, hey, at least you asked. At least you went down the path of the conversation. You know, a lot of times what you're going to get is like, you know what, we'll think about that. And what that is, is I want to think about it, which is one of the most common objections in the world of sales. You'll have to talk it through. But if you're the closer, you're the prize. And if you have a proven track record, you can show documentation, you can make things happen. Like, why would you not ask for some sort of bonus? Why would you not ask for the fruits of your labor? How long did it take for you to learn how to close all those deals? That's not something that was easy. That's something that you learned. That's your skill. That's your talent. If the average person in the industry closes at 35% and I'm closing at 70, I'm, I'm, tw I'm twice better than what they are. It costs less to keep me in the office than it does to them. They're a liability. I'm an asset. So like sometimes when you have this conversation, it does help you out. Six, do they have a good sales team? You're like, really? I never thought of that. Why would you want a company to have a good sales team? Have you ever worked with scumbags? <laughs> I have. I've worked with some not so nice people and they caused a lot of problems for me, not because of anything that I did wrong, but based on reviews, based on problems out in the public, based upon interactions where people were like, oh, I've heard about that company. I've heard about that issue. How come it's not dealt with? And it's scumbag sales guy or scumbag sales girl that's out there closing issues. That can cause a lot of problems for you. That can impact the ability for you to make an income. Will the people around you push you to get better? So I heard an analogy. I don't know if this is true, right? But I like the analogy, so I'm just going to give it to you. I was I was at a dinner once in Napa, and the guy was trying to chat it up with some girls and trying to, like, you know, impress them with facts. And, you know, me, I'm always looking for that competitive edge. I'm looking for something or a story that I could tell that's going to be interesting for a buyer. And this is what he said. He said, hey, look, in, in the world of racehorses, you, you have a group of, of horses, and they all get used to each other. And what will happen is they will bring in a faster racehorse to get all the horses to start racing faster. Now, for me, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That sounds pretty brilliant. I like the analogy. I don't know if they really do that or not. If they do, that's pretty cool. Like sometimes if you're used to being around people who only close at 50% and you're maxed out at 50% in industry and you look at another company and there's other people in there doing 60 and 70 and charging more or equal amount, like why, how are they doing that? They're, they've got better skills than me. It might be that one thing that pushes you over the edge to do better and be a better salesperson. That, that could be a thing for you to look at. You know, it's not just how how good is the team, how, you know, it does the team have problems? Like, are these people that you could legitimately work with? There's there's people that I meet and I'm like, mm, wouldn't work with that guy. Mm, wouldn't work with that girl. There, you know, there's just something wrong. There's an issue. Couldn't tell you what it is. As you look at the team, I mean, it may benefit you to be on a sales team with people who are better than you to get that push, to get that drive, to find more success. Once again, you only have so much time in life to close deals. You only have so much time to work. And if you look at the best use of time, 
theories and best use of time analysis, it's going to say, hey, look, go after the point where you're going to make the money, where you're going to make the deal instead of being miserable. At the end of the day, it's really your decision to decide what type of company that you want to work for. Why wouldn't you make it as easy on yourself as possible to find somewhere that you're going to close some deals and make some magic happen? Thanks for checking out this episode of the How to Sell Show. You can join the party at howtosell.live to get the show notes, links, updates on new episodes, recordings of previous episodes, articles, as well as videos. You may not know this sales secret, but sharing this episode with a friend will bring you good luck. See you soon. Mahalo.